you know, in reality, there are lots of different ways to interpret those texts. Right. Um, and uh, this is what it's doing is it's like the reason that this particular version has been settled upon, I think, is because it's terrifying enough to be compelling. It, you know, it's you're treating one doomsday cult for another doomsday cult. And I always find it amazing very, very, when, when someone's trading one jerk for another jerk. My question would be, how many times does the Cardassian primary system go down? It's kind of like Cardassian systems are like Apple and Federation systems are like, are like PC. I'm not sure I agree with that analogy. Well, I would expect you to disagree because you're a subversive, but regardless of your inklings to uh, be subversive, it would be true. <laughs> Welcome to Crossing Base, uh, where Christian Buzz discuss the merits and uh, the intricacies of sci-fi. So I'll just apologize at the outset for any sniffling or sneezing or coughing that ends up in the recording. We'll just, you know, just take it as a, it's, it's winter in New York. Let's get down to brass tacks, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this week we had some conversations about chick tracks. We had some, yeah, chick tracks, which is not, I know what everybody's thinking. It's not about lovely ladies. No. Um, at, at racetracks. So I'm not sure how relevant that conversation is. I mean, chick tracks are obviously, they're still a thing. I assume that if you were to walk into the average evangelical church nowadays, there would still be some chick tracks floating around. Well, you knew what they were. I get yeah. them on a regular basis, semi-regular basis. I used to get them a lot back uh, in 20... I used to get them a lot when I went to the American Islamic Congress, and then I used to get them a lot from from roughly 2017 to 2021. And now it's just sort of in this, like... It's like somebody, it's like a Christmas thing. I'll, I'll get, I'll get like a batch. So you ended up on a list somewhere. Well, it, it's a non, it, it doesn't come from somebody that it's, there's the return, there's no return address. Really? Um, well, the return address is, it's, it's, I think I sent it to you. The, uh, the, the thing, the return address is like a, a it's a strange, um, it's a strange, uh, um, address. Uh, I mean, well, I, I mean, it's, it's a nondescript place. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know where this. Yeah, is. you didn't actually send me Quad a... Cities. Oh, you actually sent me multiple photos. I didn't see it. Yeah, Quad Cities, whatever that is. Quad... Illinois, huh? So, and somebody just has a stamp. Oh, it's Manager of Texas Roadhouse is what it says. So these are not for you. These are for Kai. No, this is the one that was sent sent to Kai because. I mean, I, you, so you, you want to know who I think sends them? <coughs> it's the evangelical church that's on the traffic circle. Oh, really? Yeah, Pastor Frank, I think, sent them to us, as, is the guy. I think he's the chief culprit. Um, the, so you could actually, the great thing about Chick Track is that you could actually read them online. Oh, yeah. Um, and and they're, they're fun. Yeah, so this was sent, this one, this particular batch was sent to Kai because of her interaction with me. Yeah. Um, to let her know. Oh yeah, because uh, you uh, yeah. uh, you had started going to the church that she was going to, which was evangelical at the time, 
when when you first well yeah dating right well I started at, they asked me to go you know and I said I went and it was fine that was some of the, a lot of Jesus okay sorry <laughs> did that just roll towards me I'm not saying um I said Jesus it really <laughs> Uh, it's an it's an old wheelchair. It carries memories, right? <laughs> I think like I said, Jesus and the Calvinist. <laughs> yeah, the Calvinist <laughs> wheelchair <laughs> slowly <laughs> rolls in your direction. Victorian era. Um, I can't. There's too much going on there. Um, yeah, no. And I went the, the evangelical church I speak a lot about with the flags. Uh-huh. Pastor Frank was um, um, passionately subversive. Um, in, in many, in many, many ways, um, which was strange because, uh, you know, I, I, I had spoken with him and as a COVID task force, I asked him about, um, you know, what, like how the gatherings, how do you guys figure gatherings and everything else? And he was just like, well, I don't figure anything out. You know, COVID ceased, like COVID's fake and this and that and that blah, 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 blah. And that actually broke apart. The reason why we have a group of evangelicals that come to the cafe on Wednesdays is to, and in fellowship is, is they were all ejected from that church um, because they believe that there should be some safety. Oh, really? So there's about 20 uh, individuals that go to different evangelical churches now because uh, of, of the COVID fallout. Um, But, but yeah, I, I would, I went to, you know, so I, I, I can't think of anybody who would know that I know Kai other than Pastor Frank, who would be, and I know that he was subversive. So, uh, so, um, but that's what I think she got those. Yeah. Well, they're they're really they're ubiquitous um, in the evangelical Christian world. You know, uh, typically you will just see them floating around. You'll see them in Christian bookstores and stuff like that. They're pretty much, they're pretty hateful. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about it is that often, I mean, some of them are more benign than others, but often if you open up any given chick track, you'll find that it's actually quite um, offensive the, the and abrasive. Car- caricatures, like uh, the type of stuff you would see in like sort of Nazi propaganda. Uh-huh. And it'd be, it's like towards Muslims, towards Mormons, towards uh, 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 Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, but it, there's evangelicals in there. Yeah, well, the interesting so that's the odd thing. So, is it is it is it a Zionist thing? Is it is it like who is the source? The tor- source is Jack Chick. Who's that? He was the founder. Shall I pull him up on Wikipedia? Yeah, like, who is that? Who is that guy? Jack Chick. So, because you and I, 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 sh- I was, I thought they were just like kind of one-offs, but this is apparently a big thing in the evangelical church, and this goes speaks to my my comments of. You know, Islam's got a lot. Most of the Muslim community's got a lot of housekeeping to do. There's no doubt about that. There's, you know, I mean, no bones about the internal struggle that's happening within the Muslim community globally. And, but this is just terrible. And, and no one, it's like, it, it's like, it's like prosperity gospel. No one's, no one's weighing in on this stuff. Everybody just kind of is like, okay. And accepts that it's part of the, of, of the community. So yeah, the interesting thing about it is that the message in uh, Chick Tracts is quite unapologetic, unapologetically fundamentalist Christian. 
And well, let's talk about what they are. They're little books. Bit, let's yep. get, go back. Let's go for, well, backwards to go forward. So they're little, they're little books about the size of your hand. Yeah, little that, comics that are comic books. Yep. That um, have they're thematic, and uh, so the ones that I receive on a regular basis, and and like I said, I think because you know my interaction with Kai, she she uh, she received them um, was. I, it was men of peace question mark which yeah. is a constant like trope or slogan that's thrown out when you know when i always see things online it's like religion of peace question mark you know like religion of peace sure you know I used to, so they must like this is and then it's so that's and it's obviously against muslim and then it says the beast which i don't know what you know that one was about um i'm assuming it's about the devil but I'm not sure what it was referencing. Maybe it was Islam too. Uh, it's refer referencing the book of Revelation. Okay. So um, overly elaborate, but you can go online. So I don't say exist. So going backwards, go forth. You, you can go online and, uh, and you can buy these in bulk. Uh, the religion of peace one is 24 pages. And the description says, Muhammad ended up the same place as everyone else who rejects Jesus. Yes. So, um, so like not getting yelled at by evangelicals. So is that what, is that what that means? I don't know what that means. So, so in any event, that's what, that's, that's what it is. But the caricatures on it are pretty terrible, pretty hateful. I mean, they go right into nine 11 on, on this. Right. Grandpa, wake up. Fanatics bombed our country. And then she'll like... <laughs> um, Jenny, they were not fanatics at all. In fact... They were good Muslims. They were good Muslims. Yeah, they, they are. <clears throat> so... Um, what I find interesting about Chick Tracks is that uh, in the text, there'll be this message of... Jesus died for everyone's sin. Anyone can be forgiven by Jesus if they repent and turn to him. God loves everyone and salvation is for everyone. But in the images, in the caricatures, you'll see these very uh, hateful portrayals of different types of people, whether they're ethnic caricatures or social caricatures. Um, representing anything from Muslims to gay people to uh, rich people, you know. Um, and so there's a sort of a cognitive dissonance by which the text is saying that salvation is available for everyone. But in the images, you're actually seeing something similar to what you'd see in, you know, propaganda, um, wartime propaganda, where a certain group of people is being subhumanized or dehumanized through imagery, and, and I mean, and that's that's it's. I've been sending you these things of this guy Sam who does the same thing. Um, he, he he does he he basically is a chick track. He he's he's uh, ro 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 overly aggressive, insulting, patronizing towards individuals. You know, well, you must be stupid. You must be this. You must be that. You don't know your religion. This is, and he pulls out pieces of the Quran. Uh, and then says, "Well, this is what uh, this is what this means," and, and and he really controls the conversation with individuals that he's speaking to online to the point and 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 to hit the home hit the point home of like the, like the, like these these chick tracks. And it's it's interesting that these two have paralleled our conversation over the last week week and a half. 
Yep. And there and the, I mean the basic dynamic is that you have this very narrow, very rigid worldview. And the message is that only people who have this very specific set of understandings are in and everybody else is out. And so the only way to be in is to conform to this very specific set of understandings. And so what it comes down to, you know, at the end of every chick truck is like a, a, a sinner's prayer, right? And so they encourage you to say the sinner's prayer, to accept Jesus into your heart and to become a Christian. But really <coughs> the message is that well, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved is to have this very specific and narrow set of understandings right. about scripture. So, I mean, looking at this, um, this one, the beast, for example, um, this is, um, explaining uh, a very specific, like post trib, um, version of, um, the, the eschatological eschatological narrative that you can pull from from Revelation, right? It's a very specific understanding of it yeah. that that falls in line with kind of like fundamental evangelical precepts. Yeah. Um, but you know, in reality, there are lots of different ways to interpret those texts. Right. Um, and uh, this is what it's doing is it's like the reason that this particular version has been settled upon, I think is because it's terrifying enough to be compelling. You know, it's you're treating one doomsday cult for another doomsday cult. And I always find it amazing. Very, very, when, when someone's trading one jerk for another jerk, you know, and then and basically just say, you know, I, now I've got like, I'm backing this jerk. You know, and this guy, and this guy, boy, I, you know, you know, I see these things. God bless Sam, and you know, this people. We we need to protect this guy. So yep. you know, so it's very cultish about this guy, Sam, and and essentially he's, you know, he's his his uh his his, his sort of legitimacy is like I've studied twenty years. Yeah, I'm you know I, all all these books, everything, you know, and so so is everybody else. You know, so have I, so have you, um, and so that doesn't give you anything. It's just your opinion. So, um, but, but, but he has this very specific narrow view and he says, come into my club. Um, I'm very aggressively against this club and, uh, and I can build a pyramid scheme of what appears to be facts. It's none of its facts. Um, it's all just our religious traditions, uh, the theological interpretations and, and devaluing those while elevating your own by, and, and really not selling yours at all. Um. Because if you knock somebody down hard enough, um, they, 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 they're, they're, if they can't get up themselves, they'll take their hand to get up. And that's essentially what, what, what this, this aggressiveness is for. But, um, but I, I didn't know this was a, a widespread thing. Oh yeah. Uh, like they're, they're, like I said, they're ubiquitous. And if in the evangelical context, you really see chick tracks everywhere. They're considered to be a very, a simple and and obvious and convenient method of evangelization. The thing about evangelization, I mean, so for an evangelical, right, the core the core concept of evangelicalism is that the most important thing in the world is to lose as few few souls as possible, to win as many souls as possible, 
Right. And that's done through evangelization. Right. Because people have to come to a personal decision to accept Christ. And how are they going to come to that personal decision unless you evangelize them? Right. right? But evangelizing people is hard. It's hard to, to street preach. It's hard to go up to people's doors and have conversations with them. It's hard to talk to your coworkers and family members and stuff like that. But it's easy to hand them a tract. You know, and so at the swimming pool, five dollar bill. Yeah, like the five, same same basic idea. Um, so you can get this little, um, this little, you know, emotional, psychological, spiritual boost by doing something like that, and you can say, okay, well, I've done my bit to evangelize in this moment. Right. Um, and so chick tracks are are uh, one one method of really simplifying and clarifying that process um, because you know that the message in the chick track is kosher it's it's uh it's orthodox according to fundamental christian right. fundamentalist evangelical christianity um, hey, i just find it so funny that you're you're accepting and <coughs> stuff it, it, and at the same time it's you know it, it, it's like an ortho it's an orthodoxy you know like it's it's floating around in all these churches and stuff you know yeah but it's it's it, in some in some ways it's very refreshing because it's out in the open it, I, it, 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 I, I think that out in the openness is one of the most interesting things about it because it i mean even when i was deep in that world and i i really you know was i don't want to say drinking the kool-aid but i i, I was that was really my world and i didn't question it I would occasionally pick up a chick track and be like, oh my God, this is really bothersome. Um, just, you know, the the extreme ways in which these things are portrayed, um, it's very obvious that the the purpose of this thing is to disgust and horrify and defend people. And it's to turn people against each other. Yeah. Right? Um, and basically the, the, uh, their, their idea is that, you know, let's say that you're someone who, um, listens to rock music, right? And so you're supposed to pick up one of these tracks and you're supposed to read it and you're supposed to be, become ashamed of the fact that you listen to rock music and that has made you an evil person and you need to turn your life over to Jesus so that you can repent stop being an evil person and for god's sake stop listening to that rock music don't you know that if you play it backwards well i was <laughs> I, I you know my sister you know my sister is vodra so i always say what no one's ever done a where are they now and where are the people now that in the 70s and so it said that uh if you if you play uh black sabbath backwards it, you know because you because you you see what's happened to Oh uh, God! What's his name? A guy that's in charge of like his lead singer. Um, I care what was the, um, but it, you know you see some of these bands now as they're el older and the the guys are elderly and everything else. Where are the people that accuse them of devil worship back then, and where are they now? They've uh, they've moved on to other things, right? Right. No, you know that's all there is to it. Well, that's the thing. It just shows that us. It was just part of the slogans of the day. 
you know, to, 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 to evangelize, right? Well, yeah. I mean, for Christians, the idea is, okay, we're going to present the world outside the church as being scary and evil and unapproachable so that you are more inclined to stay within the fold of the church. Well, see, it's right? different in Islam. In Islam, it's, it's, you have, at least I feel it's different. Um, you have doomsday cults within Islam, just like you have in, in Christianity, and they prey upon those that are in a low point in their life. You know, evangelicals do that. They go after like drug addicts and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but generally, so like radicalization in prisons is a big thing. Um, I think by and large, a lot of the conversions in prisons help individuals get access to services and and get access to uh, a different way of life. I think that they, they get into a code of conduct and so forth. But it does happen. Yep. And and it's and that's political Islam, which we talked about it like thinking the last show. Uh, and that's troublesome. That's part of the struggle is you have you have political Islam that's looking for you know for, uh, not it's it's not looking to save anybody. It's it's looking for for bodies to uh, execute an agenda, and it has nothing to do with Islam. Um, it has to do with something political or something economical or something. Um, and and so, and I I was I was lucky enough to to be able to confirm that in like with 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 the individuals in charge of all the of all the of a lot of many groups when I was in Afghanistan. So it was so funny. I was with my buddy. My number one, my number two was kind of in Idris. And uh, we went to, we were at the Intercon, Intercontinental Hotel. And so um, it's basically, it, if you go to the Intercon for dinner, you're basically eating, a, 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 I mean, you're, you're just, it's just a stack of meat. <laughs> and there's like a pile of bones on the table and you're just eating lamb. And, and it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, sometimes I dream about it and I wake up and I'm not there and I go, oh. But it was like the, I think the, Six, the 80th, 70th, I don't know. It was the 80th, maybe the 60th, 70th, or 80th, I don't know if it, anniversary. I think it was the 80th anniversary of the Indonesian independence. And they're the longest, uh, embassy, standing embassy there in, in Afghanistan. So this embassy has been functioning the longest. I think it was 80 years since their independence. I don't know. So it was their celebration. So, as you know, a government guy, I, I, I get invited and I go and, um, and I would say, I would go to all the tables and say, hello. And, you know, salam to trust and how are we doing and what's going on and blah, 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 blah. And so I get to this one table and, uh, it's just to trust and they go, oh, you know, and they go, and John O'Hobbs, you know, Bishi, you know, sit. And I, I said, okay. And he just grabs my arm. He says, you can't sit at this table. And I go, why? He goes, this is, because these are. These are the jihadis. These are the, and I go, what? And he goes, yeah. I go, he's like, this guy is, you know, the half marchers and this guy is with, you know, ISIS and this guy's with, you know, the English and this guy's with this, this guy's with that. I go, are you being serious? He's like, yeah. Like, how are they here? He goes, he goes, well, it's, it's, you know, they, they were invited by the embassy. They're just, you know, they're, they're tribal religious leaders. And then I go, well, shit, we're in the same room. What are we going to do? And I, and, I, and, and, I, and just from a, like a personal standpoint, it was like, when am I going to get a chance to sit at a table with all these guys? Yeah. 
And so I sat down and they gave me this whole side. They knew all about me. And they go, oh, we read about you in the, in the, in the, the paper. I said, I go, I go, what did you, what did you read? And they go, oh, you know, your, your family you know, has roots in, the, in Afghanistan, you carry Afghan blood and blah, blah, blah. And you came back because you wanted to do all these wonderful things. I go, yeah. I go, that's all true. I go, you know, it's all true. I go, so I go, um, are we, uh, so I, and I said, I go, can we, can, can we, are we speaking openly? And he's like, yeah. They go, what? What's going on with you guys? And they sent something that I think Quark said <laughs> in Deep Space Nine. Um, <clears throat> he got the, 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 the Marco guy goes, uh, everybody thinks we're criminals, but we're just businessmen. <laughs> and I go, okay. I go, but well, what's, I go, but you guys, there's so much, there's so much stuff that it's under us. We follow the traditional businesses that have been operating throughout Central Asia for thousands of years. And that's all we're doing. And not at anything that. Anything that hurts our business is what we, we, we act on. I go, yeah, but you know, you, you know, ISIS is pretty, you know, and you, then they look, Daesh is this and so-and-so is that. And, and they said, well, our, the ideologies are what they are. So, but it is all business. And, and, uh, and, and so I, then I, 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 had, I was, you know, it was one of the, I wasn't nervous, but I was, I was trying to come up with, questions and I you know when you're in front of that that the, these type of guys you don't think about the stuff so I, and I asked them I said well, what's the safest place like where is this what do you consider the safest place in the world like what do you that's what I got out and they go it's this, t- this table right here this is the safest place I go you're not scared of American drones or or this or that or any of that stuff they're like nah he's like we're, we're doing business with it with the U.S. we're doing business with it. it's like you know they were they're like you can't operate in this country without us and there they were in the center of Kabul. Mm-hmm. At the, it, there's these things called the rings of steel, which were the security checkpoints, which someone, some, you know, some nerd, you know, in CENCOM, you know, and, and, you know, or NATO headquarters in UCOM came up with that, you know, for ISAF, you know, rings of steel. This ISAF is NATO for, for Central Asia, right? And, uh, and he, and they got through all the rings of steel just to go to a dinner to show respect to the Indonesians. In the middle of, you know, the secured cobble, and no one, no one said anything. You know, this is 2016, 2015. Is that amazing? Perfect. Like the most important people, who are our enemies, they're supposed to be in caves somewhere. We're sitting in the Intercon Hotel, and we're having dinner. So what's your, your takeaway from that? Like I, I consider myself a pluralist who happens to be Muslim. They're uh, businessmen who happen to be Muslim and their business is asymmetrical warfare in order to conduct their business and generate enough revenue. And if that means radicalizing individuals, evangelizing them towards uh, uh, 
evangelizing them into a doomsday cult so they can make their business the business more profitable, they will. Which is what I, you know, believe in evangelicalism. You you radicalize individuals to bring them into your business so that you can generate revenue. Yeah, I think that there's... I see see the same. I don't see any difference. Yeah, I I agree that there is a clear parallel there in in the sense that... uh, So we were talking about uh, people going into prisons, prison ministries, right? Now, there are Christians who go into prisons and they tell people, look, you are not defined by your mistakes. You are defined by the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. And by doing that, he demonstrated how much God cares for you, regardless of any mistakes that you may have made. And so you have a future and and you can make other choices and you can move on from here. And there is life and forgiveness for you and all these messages that really can allow someone to see things from a different perspective. The and son of this, Sam was evangelized. Yeah, move forward in a different way. And that's great. I mean, obviously the core, the, the, the core gospel message is something with tremendous power to change lives. However, there's also this dynamic by which, and Chick Tracks are a good example of this, we have these specific narratives that are designed to see, to, to get people to see Christianity from a specific particular way and to adhere to certain principles that keeps them... Um, close to um, close to these these infrastructures that are money making yeah uh, many money making operations for a certain group of individuals right and many uh, many churches are simply you know really when you if you actually take a look at what the church is doing what it prioritizes what it focuses on how it spends its time and energy. Generating revenue. You can see that it's generating revenue. It's tr- it's keeping the, the the lights on and making sure that the pastor and maybe a few other people in leadership are continuing to live in the manner to which they are accustomed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everything else takes a backseat to that. And so for me, you know, my, you know, any, any disillusionment that I've had with you know, mainstream Christianity has really mostly been in that area um, because um, we have, you know, these certain theological precepts that, um, let me say it this way, if if we believed it for, you know, if we took it at face value, we would behave in a certain set of ways right? But if we were just leveraging it to make money for a group of people, we would be treating it in other ways. And that's the way in which we're treating it. So you take something like a chick track and you take the the fundamental premise that anybody who does not believe in Jesus and accept him will spend eternity in conscious torment, right? Now, if you, if you really believe that in and of itself, you're going to live your life in a certain way. Right. But if you say you believe it because you can use it to scare people and make money, you're going to live in another way. Right. And that's the way in which Christians typically live. Yeah, I mean, I find like this guy, Sam, I don't know if he's making any money, but 
he's elevated his reputation and you could see the high he has off of um, devaluing uh, people and their beliefs and so forth and and the rallying around him. Yeah, I'll concede that money is not the only motivation here. Yeah, money, power, you know, but reputation. And the question is: is it is is the is the is the motivation actually saving souls, right? Or is it something else? Yeah. If what you really wanted to do, based on your belief system, was to save as many souls as possible, are these the choices that you would actually be making? And is this the way that you would actually be actually be spending your time and energy? Yeah, I mean it's 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 treacherous. We we do and I talk about this a lot. You asked me a question at the beginning before we started recording about what, what was it, the Muslims believe in the Bible? Is that what you referred to? Uh, we were you had sent me a video about uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and um, about a Muslim recognizing the validity of scripture. I actually did not watch this video, so I don't know the exact time. Really Muslim easy. learns about the authenticity of the Bible. So, so my question was, Sam. don't Muslims already believe that the Bible is authentic? Is that a problem? So, so Sam, Sam in this video was an interesting video. He basically said, well, I don't, the, the Muslim says, I don't believe in the Bible. And every good Muslim now needs, to, needs to have four books. Period. Period. The Torah, which is the Old Testament, uh, Psalms, Quran, and then the Injal, which is people conf people confuse that with the New Testament. It's not the New Testament. Yeah, it's like a collection of sayings. Of it's Jesus. a collection of sayings. It's Gnostic. It's Gnostic. It's close to the Gnostic uh, gospel. I had the Gnostic gospel. It's sayings of Jesus, and it, you know, it kind of sounds like them. Um, you know, when I, but it was funny. If I, it, I always, I always present it to whomever. So I presented it to Father John and what's it called and everything else. It says, well, you know, I go, it's, it, it you know, I, I have a lot of, I, I big in the Hazadisa, you know, peace be upon him. But there's a lot of stuff that is attributed to him. That's, you know, you would say like Hazad, then you say like Isasian Hadiths, you know, Hadiths are sayings, right? So you'd say like Isasian Hadiths. The problem is there's no verification of that. There's no system to verify, verify it. Like, like in Islam, right? So people knew the Prophet, right? People knew Muhammad. Um, so, so there's uh, 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 peace be upon him. There's 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 a, a system to verify the sayings and the actions of the Prophet, right? Uh, so, so there's a there's a process. There's none of that with with Hazadisa, right? So, the Gnostic Gospels, if you could verify, so the Dead Sea, you know, Sam pulls out the Dead Sea Scrolls and see. This validates that this was before the Quran, and therefore this proves that that this is right. Meanwhile, the Dead Sea Scrolls. What Sam's not saying is the Dead Sea Scrolls are Gnostic. So, so none of that it has anything to do with his Jesus or whatever he's doing. But that's the that's the gaff of of Sam. It's you know he makes his his lies are so transparent. Um, that he feel that 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 you're they're believable if you're if you if you if you're not if you're if you get caught up in the in in the momentum of his conversation. But the reality is is it it's the it's actually the most complete library of Gnostic books that we have, right? Is this is are the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, and one's a treasure map, which is fantastic. I'm still trying to figure that one out, but. On a copy, on a scroll. That's it. Yeah, that one's really something. Yeah, that, that's that's where the money is. Yeah. Okay, so at least theoretically. So, um, but 
I mean, does it validate? Does it does it validate the Old Testament? Sure, there's 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 a peppering of the Old Testament in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, there's versions, but that I don't think anybody argues with the with the Torah. The Torah is the Torah. Um, it, it hasn't changed. Um, I'm sure there's there's the, the, the it's much like the Quran. There's there's translations, um, but but the core is generally the same. Yeah. Um, there are offshoot groups that interpret the Quran and and the Torah differently, but the, the what's accepted as as canon is steady, right? Yep. There's people that have memorized the Torah. Um, there's anywhere between there are about fifty thousand people that that know the Torah in and out and can recite it. That are official, officially um, uh, uh, reciters of the Torah. Um, I think they're called cantors. Can then and then there's there's the same thing with the Quran, right? There's people that memorize. So you destroy all the Qurans in the world and they're going to be able to reproduce it. So that's, that happens, right? Um, the challenge to answer your question is that Muslims believe in the Injil. But uh, the problem is, is that the Gospels were written 50 or plus years after Jesus and we don't know who wrote them. Um, they contradict each other. Forget about the translations. Forget about the editing. Forget about all that song and dance. They contradict each other. There's varying degrees of of interaction between the Gospels. And it's not from the source, which is Hazadis of Jesus. So the problem is, is that it's seen corrupted from that perspective. I, I And so so no one really has the end job. No one really knows, and and it, you rely on the Quran and Quranic versions of what's of what Jesus did. Um, so, you know, maybe if there was a Q source, that would be. And it's extremely treacherous to start going down the Pauline road, as you well know, as is my action. So, the um, Sam does that in this, in that, in that, in that. Uh, in that video, he, you know, he, he talks about how Paul knew knew the disciples and did this. Well, Paul was he might have known them, but it's very clear that Paul did not agree with anybody, any of them, um, and could not go toe to toe with any of them. So he had to go with it uh, to the you know he had to go and his whole thing was going to Gentiles and 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 exporting this um, the Jewish Jesus movement. Um, I'm in the James camp on that one, as you well know. Perfect. I know that you're 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 on the Pauline train to oblivion. So, I feel like that's an ungenerous statement on your part. I think it's very generous. I think it's a very plush train. I think there's soft surf, unlimited soft surf. Have you ever heard of the Bible Code? What's the Bible Code? <laughs> <laughs> the Bible Code was really popular, and there's a reason why I'm asking this. So let's not get off track. This is <laughs> The Bible Code was popular um, in the 1990s. And the idea of the Bible Code is that if you take the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, written in the original Hebrew, and put the Hebrew letters in a grid, oh, God. sometimes yes. a three-dimensional grid, yes. there will be oh. message, like prophetic messages oh, encoded within the Hebrew characters. Oh, 
Because as you know, Hebrew also has numeric values. Yes. The, letter, the letters have numeric values. Yeah. And so you can put all these like pieces together and start pulling out all these different um, secret messages within the text. Yeah. Now, the reason why this idea was um, popular among evangelicals is because even one interesting thing about evangelicals is how disconnected we are from history. There isn't a clear, um, a, a single clear continuous train of history from, you know, Jesus or, or the Old Testament times to the evangelicals. The evangelicals are, are the result of, um, a variety of large and small fractures yeah. over the history of Abrahamic faith. Right. And so for an evangelical, history goes back maybe 200 years, yeah. maybe 50 years, yeah. maybe 30 years. Yeah. You know, it's it's not very far, right? And so as evangelicals, we're always trying to look for things that prove our legitimacy historically but in a very kind of fragmented and disconnected way, which is why something like the Dead Sea Scrolls is so appealing, right? Because if we can find within the Dead Sea Scrolls something that legitimizes our theology, our worldview, then um, what we can do is we can map that those things onto areas of history where they might not otherwise right. have been apparent. Yeah, yeah. And, we do, and that happens in Islam all the time. Someone might argue that that's... You know, the, I call it Abrahamic lineage, but the idea, it's very easy to have something that looks back and says, look, it makes all the pieces fit. Yeah. And let me fill in the blanks. Yeah. You know, uh, which is something that the, it, people that are critical of Islam, that's what they said. One of the books that I gave you, um, it's in your library now, is called The Torch of the Testimony. And it's a really good example of that. If you want to check it, I'll just flip through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the challenge, so what do I always say to somebody who is a, a Christian, I'm in crisis of faith? I always say, <laughs> this is what I always say. Curse God and die, like uh, like Hans. Yeah. Or well, Job's wife is what I'm thinking of. How do we say, go back to the source? I say, call up one of your Jewish friends and go start going to temple. Go back to the source, because that's, Jesus was a Jew, practicing Jew, said the foul of the law. Go back to the source and see how long you can hack it. Because... Buckle up. When you go to temple on Friday, it's three hours of your life is gone. Minimum. <laughs> Minimum. Buckle up. And, you know, they're, they're speaking in Hebrew. They're, you know, you're going to, you're, you're, and you're going to be socializing with uh, you know, all the things that touched Jesus. All the things. And all the things that motivated him. So, uh, and so I, the problem is, is that most people don't do it, but when they do to it, they, there is something profound does happen, but generally they don't go back to Christianity. Uh, -huh. they go on to some kind of weird journey. Um, and that's not the intent. The intent is, you know, the intent is like, look, oh, this was great. They just tell you what's going on. You, you pop a quick, what's it called? A confession? Uh, and you're good. You know, you're not supposed to keep doing it, but <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, you know, you want to get a little esoteric, go church in the East, go down that road. 
going to Eastern Orthodoxy. That's fun. Yeah, that's and that those. But I've actually done that to a certain extent, and both of them are close to the source. They're close to the Jesus. Well, that's why I did it. You know, is, is as I was coming out of the mainstream evangelical world and trying to figure out what is this faith, what is this thing that I've been practicing, where does it come from? Um, what I found is that the historical, like when I go back into the historical roots of it. I didn't find the sort of like primitive religion that I was looking for, the primitive spirituality. Yeah. What I found was something that was much more like orthodoxy. And um, so, you know, just reading the early church fathers and stuff like that. Um, and so I, I started exploring orthodoxy as a way of just getting as close as I could to the trunk of that tree. Yeah, the source, yeah. And, and, and well, and, and that's, but that's, and that's the beauty of it is that they are close to the source. You know, certainly Catholicism. I, mean, I don't know. I've heard the argument that, that Jesus was a Catholic. I feel like that's inverted somehow. Something. It was. I mean, you know, it, that he started the Catholic Church, and I go, "Well, there's a book called uh, the Universal Christ." And I, you know, did, what what was the thing that I showed you? What was the thing I sent you? That the Catholics started Islam. Oh yeah, that was. I didn't know that. That was educational for me. I, I had no that. idea that Islam was a Catholic invention. It makes the crusades seem very, very ridiculous. If that's, you know, so uh, apparently um, Muhammad married a nun or something like that, which makes him very much like Martin Luther, which I think is awesome. Uh, it alleges that, that Muhammad, the prophet, Upon married a, a nun, and the, and the source of Islam is from the nun. Yep, this wasn't a check track. Um, so I, it's it must be true. Yeah, and I like I was flabbergasted by the whole thing, and I go, I, I was, and, I, and then I said to myself, well, if this is belief, then what? Then what's? Then why does anybody have a problem? Uh, but of course, you know, I, I, it would be wonderful just to to to, to, see, to see if to see if there is. I don't. I don't know how that, any of that was d d devised. I can't. I can't find any proof of that other than the claim. Um, so, I. I think I always say get close to the source. Now I have. You know, I grew up in a Jewish community. I went to more bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs when I was younger than than anything else. And I spend a lot of time with my Jewish friends. Um, and the source uh, uh oh did it come up did it? i'm i'm looking at i'm, I'm looking at the the chick track it says at 25 muhammad married khadija khadija a, a wealthy khadija, catholic khadija. Khadija. khadija khadija i'll get it a wealthy catholic widow who was 40 years old so not a nun a catholic widow true or false well khadija it was uh um it was a, is a wife Catholic, her Catholicism is questionable. Um, I don't believe that that's that true at all. Khadija is a, a I don't know, educated, wealthy businesswoman um, who who helped bun uh, quite a bit of um, Muhammad's the Prophet's early works. There's apparently another chick check that goes more in depth about this. Well, and this is what Sam does. He takes a, something that is factual, like a marriage, and then builds a pyramid scheme of, of, 
supposition around something, but is doing it with in such an aggressive way and and same time insulting you, and then you're not able to sort of like pick up the book and say, oh, oh, this is what Matthew Hawkins, who you know uh, we miss and, and used to do the, the the what's it called with me. He always used to say uh, when everybody quotes the Bible, I always say read on. Yep, and that's the same thing that I always say to people. I go, you know, if you're, you're Muslims are supposed to read the Quran cover to cover every Ramadan. It's a healthy tradition because for someone like me, okay, I can't, I can't recite. So, I, and I'm, it's not that's not who I am. It's not I don't have that facility in my brain. But to read cover to cover gives you an immense context of what's going on and you understand where things reside. Yep. You know, when people say, you know, that, you know, kill the infidel, subjugate the Jews and the Christians, uh, and, uh, and make them pay tribute. Those are two, 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 uh, uh, service of the crown and are specific to, um, being under siege and their speeches that are made to motivate and individuals to take arms and protect themselves and their families and the community. And, uh, and so the problem is, is that, and I, and I have a colleague that says this to me, he's a Tibetan Muslim. And he says, well, you know, Muhammad, you know, the prophet was peaceful in the beginning, but he didn't have it late when, when Islam was, was, uh, young and there wasn't a lot of allies. And so it was a religion of peace and it was a religion of engagement and there's no compulsion. But then afterwards, once they, once, once the prophet found, you know, gets, gets to Medina and, and, and has an army and is in charge of saying, then he becomes aggressive and all that's thrown out the door. But I think people confuse empire and politics with religion and faith. And they love to do it with Islam. Um, you know, the, the Christian empire is all over the place. Yeah, I mean, that's the same essential story with Christianity is that it was one thing before about 350 AD. Yeah. Um, and then it was another thing after that when Constantine came to power, you know, in this side conquer, right? Um, and Christianity in a very fundamental way became something else. And it's arguable to what extent Christianity was in, was aspiring to be that thing it, it's an, it, before Constantine. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's the tragedy of fate, right? Constantine is, you know, sees the cross in the sky, right? And then all of a sudden converts all his guys to, or converts the empire to, to, to Christianity. And, uh, and now he has an army of Christian warriors to, to win the battle or yeah. whatever conflict. So is that the purpose? <laughs> the same thing happened. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, it's it, the overlay is not, it's not unique to Islam. It's actually a Christian precept, right? Is that, is the idea of, if you get, if you convert people over, you can win, right? Yeah. And so, uh, against the other, uh, yeah. And uh, 
I think Christians are more adept at it than Muslims of <laughs> of being aggressive and and victimizing themselves at the same time. I think they're very good at it. I was at dinner last week and uh, and was very educated, very very well respected, and I respect him as well. And it was an interesting conversation because I said, "Well." We were talking about criminal activity and we were talking about some stuff. And I said, well, I said, you know, the problem is, is that anything that a Muslim does, their religion gets put in front of them. So it, any criminal activity. And um, I can't remember how the conversation came about. And he goes, well, what does that mean? I go, well, if if if, if something happens, this, uh, you know, and if it's a Muslim, they say, well, it's, you know, Muslim, Muslim American, you know, JT, you know, got into a fight with so-and-so, you know? But if there's a criminal activity and it's non-Muslim, they don't really mention their religion, their faith. Well, I would argue that that would be inverted in a in, in the Muslim world. So, for example, if you're in the Middle East um, and you are uh, come from a Christian background and you commit a crime, then your Christian faith would probably be highlighted. I agree with whereas, you. Whereas I'm not, I'm not the Islamic that. faith is ubiquitous in that. Yeah, and I yeah. Th- and I said that's the tragedy. I said something very simple. That's the tragedy of of who who's in charge. Yeah, it just is what it is. And so you know you're you're you know that that's what's going to happen. And because we got the terrorism war, terror and all this, stuff, it's like did you know, It's the second something happens. It's like, and we were talking about the burning of Notre Dame. I remember when the burning of Notre Dame, and everyone was like, it's a terrorist activity. It's going to be, Muslims have done it every day. And then and everyone was leaving it. And then when they found out it wasn't, everybody was like, <laughs> what? You know, you know, like, like everybody was so upset, you know, that they couldn't pin it on the other ones. Uh, it was, I think, I think it was just um, Jack Assery, right? Something, the scaffolding. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, you know, the, the Crown of Thorns is in there. Did you know that? Yeah. And they saved it. Thank goodness. How many it, it was in of- such a secret place that they went in, the fire department went in to save it, and they saved the decoy. And uh, I know a little bit about this story. And so they saved the decoy. And uh, um, I know somebody close to the source of this, right? So it was the decoy. And then he he was like, then we had to figure out where the other one was. And no one knew where it was. So then... Uh, they they found out where it was, but they didn't have the codes to the safe. So they called the guy, and the guy was so flabbergasted. The guy who knows the codes of the safe, he couldn't tell. He couldn't recite the codes. He was flustered. So they were trying to figure out. Well, he was distraught because of the the burning of the, yeah. of the temple, and so he he they had to, they had to, they were devising a way to break into the safe, uh, and then the guy could come up came up with the codes. And they got the, the crown of thorns out. If only he could remember his Bitcoin password. I hadn't heard that story. Um, it's it's well. I, I again, I know somebody close to the source. It could be hearsay. I don't really know. But according to a fireman, a fire chief, a, a French fire chief, and you know, you fire chief, lots of trust. French, not a lot of trust. So you have to kind of balance the two. Um, but. A, he 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 told me that story because you know I'm I'm obsessed with uh, yeah uh, artifacts yep. like re- relics relics artifacts and so um, I and I go well, well where is it now and he's like I wish I could tell you and I go I go you're the fire chief how would you know where it is 
was like, do you know where it is? Do you not know where it is? I was like, did you do the switcheroo? And now you got it at the house? He wouldn't say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have to. Maybe we'll have to Google it. But there's, it's, it's a quite a compelling story. But it can't, of course, it's Christian. They're Christians. It can't be simple. It can't be like we just got in and went and got it. No. There has to be some kind of saga. How many crowns of thorns do you think there are? Well, there, according to Christianity, there's only one, and it's there. That's what I. That's what I know of. Um, but here's this is my thing is the cross. So uh, Constantine's mother is supposed to have gotten all these relics and one, and she actually got the cross. Mm-hmm. She found it. Actually, it's peculiar that they broke it apart and started sending it to all matter, all, you know, all these different lands, pieces of the cross. I would find that very peculiar. I would think that you would keep the, 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 the you know, the, tr- the, the whole thing together. I don't think you would break it apart and give it to like people, the, you know, different churches to to you know put in front of i think you need to get back into the mindset that they had in the period back then i i, I know you know though his mother seems very much of a we're keeping this you know she they she you know she they told her where the you know where everything was she built a church on it For you sure. know and and then aggregated all these artifacts um but I know of that there's a death mask that's in France somewhere, I think, or, or Spain. Are you talking about the Shroud of Turin? No. Okay. There's a Shroud of Turin, but then there's the death mask. Okay. The, there's the cloth that was on Jesus's face. I think that's in, I think that's in, I think that's in Valencia. I don't know really the, I think it's in Spain. So there's that one. There's a jet Shroud of Turin. There's the Crown of Thorns. There's pieces of the cross. There's, a, there's the Spear of Destiny, which I touched, I, I touched the Spear of Destiny yeah. and the cross. In, in Vienna. Um, didn't do anything, but I was... Well, you are an infidel. I know, but I thought I would think even more so. <laughs> I would think that I would be able, because I'll, you know, I, I saw the movie Constantine. Uh-huh. You know, I was, I was, you know, that, that, that guy that grabs it, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I saw it. You know, I'm not afraid to, to admit that I was um, seduced by the dark side for a brief moment. And I thought perhaps there might be a, a, a way to uh, command the, the, uh, the heaven and the stars. Uh, but, but in any event, it didn't, it didn't take. Um, but uh, there, I, did see, I, did, I have seen what's the name's Cain, um, Moses's Cain. Uh, the staff. Yep, that's in Istanbul. There's uh, uh, there's any matter of of sabers and swords that are all associated with individuals in Islam and and, and kuftans and there's, I've seen a lot of that. So why is it all weapons? What's that? Why is it all weapons, John? It is. That's it's a it's a it's a fair question. Um, it's a fair question. I'm on. You know, the short answer is Islam was under siege for all these years, and and almost from its beginnings, you have a, a, a raging civil war within Islam. Yep, between between what would become Sunni and what would become Shia. Um, you know, you get into this this issue of the best friend versus the cousin, and and it 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 festers because there are opportunists. 
that take charge of the Islamic train. Uh, and uh, like I met a descendant of Omar, which is one of the beginning, the first leaders of of, of the, the the Muslim movement, the Islamic movement. And, and she was very Omar Omarian in how she interacted with me. Uh, pulling me close and then pushing me away um, in, in we were, we were cover colleagues. So it was, it was, you pull me close when you need me to do something and then you push me out as a, uh, when, when, when you don't need me or when you don't want to be associated with someone who is blasphemous yep. in, in the faith. Who's in what would be considered wrong or so, um, and, but the way in which she talked was very, it was, I, I, for a minute there, I was like, I go, God, she's on, you said, and I say to her, you're so Amorian right now. You're just, how are you, how do you get away with this? But, but she has the lineage and descendancy, yeah, which gives her legitimacy because we're all about bloodlines. Yeah. So it elevates her and she can kind of get away with it. And I don't even think she realized how much she could get away with because of that. Um, she just was. Yeah. She just existed in that for strange. <laughs> so yes, uh, Muslims do believe in the in the in in this in the in the sayings, the priesthood of Jesus. Like to focus on the priesthood of Jesus. That's where they, that's where the money is. Uh, Muslims believe in how prophets live, not something else. All that something else goes to Allah. So Jesus had this very specific mission. And that was um, to restore the priesthood. To be the Messiah. Um, and to come back at the end of days. So the resurrection, it's just, there's, no there's no purpose in it. Because otherwise... The Quran that tells you how to live, you know, better than ninety percent of it is how to live, would would be would be useless. Um, and it anchors itself in the in in really Azadis's priesthood. Right. That's that's the point. Is that uh, in in the Gospels, Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world," and so he presents a spiritual kingdom that undermines and subverts and inverts worldly things uh, to encourage his followers to uh, view things from a an eternal or spiritual perspective. Well, one of the best phrases that I like to repeat from Asatisa, which I think is solid, but maybe it's not. You know, it's give back to give to Rome, to give back to Rome what's Rome's and give and give to God what's God when they're talking about money. Yeah, render unto Caesar. Yeah. Love that one. <laughs> Solid. It's one of the few phrases that Dazadisa said that I can understand. Huh. I've spoken all these riddles. I would never be able to figure. I'd I just don't have patience for it. <laughs> I would not be able I don't think I'd be able to deal with it. If someone said I am who I am, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, if you had uh, like you have thirty seconds. If I always answered your questions with with another question, I'm sure you would get pretty frustrated with me pretty quickly. But that's part of his. You know, I think that part of his term. Uh, it, it shows a tremendous amount of patience. <laughs> and if you've ever read about the guy, the guy was a psycho. Yeah. So for him to say like ask questions, 
and Jesus did not answer them and not murder him on the spot, what is a tremendous amount of restraint. Well, that's one of those interesting that's, historical questions about the whole scenario. Well, yeah, and why why would he even meet, you know, why would he even do any of this stuff? But I can say that when I was in Israel, um, I I went, there's there's where the trial happened, and that's where the hoopla is. But there is some rumor that the trial actually happened outside the walls in this specific section. And um, and that's where all the trials were held, because they were public. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and someone, a couple of nerds did some research, and I went to that spot. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I thought because nobody was there, no one gives it any attention because there's no church, there's no this, there's no that, um, and and so, but I went to that that part, and I'm and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going, it must, it just must have sucked, but it was an amazing spot to be in, and when no one's there, because no one cares. Yep, it was pretty cool. So the Muslims do believe in the in 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 the new te- in the teachings and the priesthood of Jesus, right? It's just the problem is is that books made fifty years later or more years later by people by by unknown authors um, that are dueling with each other is questionable. Um, and then was it like you know eighty percent of the Bible or seventy percent of the Bible is Paul, which doesn't make any sense. So, which which takes the the um, if it removes it farther from the source, which makes people very very nervous, makes Muslims very nervous. Yeah. And then once you get into the God King concept, you know the Constantine and the God King thing, you're essentially making it Roman, which is way out. It's not just exterior. It's not like on the front porch. It's way out for Muslims. Yeah. I'm, uh, and I would say that Muslims have their own set of issues in that regard, um, in terms of how far back the text actually goes and, um, the historicity of, of everything. But, um, yeah, I, I, that this is a, this is a common problem for all ancient religions. And the, you know, the alternative is to, you know, go the, a Mormon route or something like that, right? Well, you can always go but, after somebody afterwards. Yeah, right? if you, you know, can Mormons do it. If you can make your source of truth something that's closer to the mark, that all you have to deal with is the fact that it's only a matter of time before things that they say or do become very problematic. Well, yes, yes. I mean, but I yes, in Islam you do have to read Psalms, you do have to read the Torah, you do have to do all that stuff, and I think you need to be active within those communities. Which I am. Yeah, I think that if there were an expectation that evangelical Christians read the Bible from cover to cover, like, and obviously there are, that that is something that 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 we are encouraged to do. There are lots of programs to help us do it and stuff like that. But the fact is, most Christians don't. Most evangelicals don't. Um, I, I find it's like this. There's, and so there's, there's a, a Bible with all these bookmarks, and they flip to specific sections, and that's that's where the money is. Yeah, but people with like you know what I mean. Yeah, you'll you'll see both represented within the world, and obviously we should we should wrap up here. But um, there there are um, topical preachers, for example, who like to pick out various topics and jump around in scripture and stuff like that. 
And then there are um, preachers who make it a point to preach, you know, line by line, verse by verse through the scriptures and um, uh, and expound in that way. And, and so um, I, I think that the Bible is diverse enough. The, the Bible, as it comes to us in the Protestant tradition, is there's enough there that you can do a lot of things with it. And uh, you can offset problematic areas um, with other texts to try to make them less problematic and stuff like that. Um, most people, you know, individually will not go through the effort to do that, though. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I think we've got, I think, I think you're right. We, everybody should be reading their books cover to cover and then... Just you know, just think. Just focus on your on your on your deal. Yeah. And if you want to evangelize, you know, food puts asses in the seats. Barbecues, you know. I I, I you know I, I I'd show up to a barbecue. Yeah. You know, sending me little booklets doesn't help. Well, you know, cr Christians originally had their love feast. I don't know. What is that? It sounds erotic. Let's do it. I'm on a love feast. <coughs> when I get the lecture about the, about the, the Holy Ghost being between me and the ladies, maybe was that? What, yeah, that would happen. What did you say? Make, making room for the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, we'll have to pick that up another time. All right. Well, you can <laughs> talk about it briefly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, like two podcasts ago. Right. That I, but I discovered that. I was like, what is going on? But if, yeah, if you read the early, you know, Pauline texts, um, a lot of what, you know, has now become communion or Eucharist um, was originally at, par at least partially just like a public meal um, or a shared meal that Christians would have together. That's where it's at. Yeah. And, and Paul, you know, kind of explained that in a way that we get a fair bit of, of historical context about what that was um, and, and how it worked. And so, anyway, meeting in fellowship with a uh, with a with a sandwich, right? You know, I mean, I meet I meet a lot. I do a lot of faith engagement, and no one brings a sandwich. Matter of fact, every, almost every evangelical that I've ever met and and sat down with, um, I am treating. Yeah, yeah. There, I don't think there's any evangelical other than you that's ever like on one meal. You know, you and I slot meals. I do one. You do one, but um, I've never had it. I, I I'm. I think of I can think of all the evangelicals that I've met over the years, and anytime you meet with them, they you're treating. I'm treating. That's funny. I didn't. Yeah. Huh. It's it's you know Starbucks, 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 or this and that, and they never they've never they they never even offer. Yeah, but the, if you're lucky, they might give you a fake hundred dollar bill with a gospel message on the back. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for taking the time, bud. <laughs> Thank you, John. Good talking to you.